It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of Locked On Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you like. Or if you don't like any of those options, you can always ask your smart device, like Siri or Google Home, play podcast Locked On Vikings. So today we have a lot to catch up on. Since the last time we talked, there's been some injury reports. Camp has started. They even got the pads on yesterday, and we have a lot of takeaways to get from that. Uh, there are some people who are doing the analysis work that I so longed for. It is still here. Uh, a, a lot of the bloggers that are local to Minnesota have just been buying tickets and and you know doing this from up in the bird's eye view of the bleachers, and I cannot shout them out enough for their dedication. That is so awesome. Especially shout out to uh, Eric Thompson at the Daily Norseman, Daniel House at Vikings Corner, who's still doing his daily notebooks. I was worried that we weren't going to be able to get that content, but it is here and it is exactly what it is every year. It's awesome. I'll link it all in the show notes. You should definitely give it a read through for some more detailed stuff. But for now, I have a whole bunch of news to catch up on. So uh, first, let's start with just the the injury report. As we sit right now, uh, going into, uh, as I'm recording this, going into the Monday practice, we might already have answers on some of these questions by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but there are seven players that are currently injured or not participating in some capacity. There are a couple of players on the physically unable to perform list. Now, this is the active physically unable to perform list or active pup. And so don't be alarmed. This is not the pup where you have to go uh, all through like the first six weeks of the season before you can go. This is not the pup that Teddy Bridgewater went on a couple of years ago. This is the one that Pat Elfline was on, if you remember, and he ended up coming in, I think, by like week four. So the way it works is essentially they cannot participate in any activities. They have to stand on the sidelines or do only rehab work or whatever. Uh, but the second they're medically cleared, they can rejoin activities. You know, there's there's no restrictions on that. So that's Mike Hughes with his ACL injury. Uh, Zimmer came out and actually said that it was multi-ligament, which we did not know before. So it was definitely worse than just an ACL tear like the one Dalvin Cook had a couple years ago. This was worse than that. This was closer to a Teddy Bridgewater injury, and that's why it's taking that much longer for him to come back. We just kind of have to wait and see on that if he'll be ready for the start of the season. There's also uh, Brandon Zilstra and David Morgan. Uh, Zilstra has a hamstring. David Morgan, I am not sure what he has. I don't know if it's been reported or not. Uh, Please at me if you know, uh, if you've heard what it is, and maybe I've just missed it. But they are also on the physically unable to perform list. And there is also the non-football injury pup, which works the exact same way. It's just a designation for whether or not they're entitled to, like, certain compensations for if it were an injury you sustained on the field versus an injury you sustained outside of the jurisdiction of the team. Uh, It doesn't have any, like, salary cap implications or anything like that. So there's nothing you have to worry about. It's more just, like, a legal designation. Uh, But on that are Tayshawn Bauer, who you probably have heard by now, but in case you haven't, he tore his Achilles training at home, uh, and that probably ends his season. I I don't know exactly when it happened, but that is something that you usually will miss the whole football season. That's usually a multi-month injury that you have to work really hard to come back from. Some players don't at all. If you remember, Phil Phil Lodeholt never did. So we're going to talk a little bit later about the defensive line and the state of it and how those position battles have kind of changed because of the injury stuff that's going on. 
Uh, but also, Shamar Stefan is on the non-football injury list. I am not quite sure either what his deal is. It hasn't been reported, and I don't think they have to report it, so we might never find out. Uh, but Mike Zimmer said that it wasn't a huge deal, and he should be back shortly, and, and hopefully we see him back for the first preseason game, or maybe right after the first preseason game, because they tend to not rush in veterans that are hurt for that first preseason game. It's only a couple series. There's not a ton of value to it for like veterans. It's really just like a get-your-feet-wet kind of thing. And that first game is more to, to get a sense for where the reps are going to go for the rest of the preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if Shamar Stefan was ready for that first game, but doesn't play in it and then comes back right after. Uh, that would be my best guess, but it seems like it's not going to be the kind of thing that like threatens him week one or anything. So no- nothing else to really worry about except with Tayshawn Bauer and Mike Hughes. And then whatever's going on with Zilstra and Morgan, we'll just kind of have to find out. And then a couple of injuries have happened on the field. Uh, well, there's also Jeff Baddett, who is not on any of those lists, uh, but he isn't participating. And there is something very mysterious going on here. It- it's I, I wonder what it what it is and if we'll ever find out because he ran the 40 in that 40 yards of gold competition but he didn't participate in mini camp which was before it or training camp now which is after it so I, I don't know what kind of injury that means maybe it's a wrist or something you know or something that that doesn't have anything to do with that maybe it's just a leg injury but he just ran the 40 anyways and he probably shouldn't have but they can't control that but at any rate he's not getting reps that he will really really needs to try to make the team he's in that long shot tier and that means that you need every rep you can get if you're going to try to make a push. And then Jalen Holmes came up limping, uh, and he had a wrap on Sunday around his right thigh. Uh, That doesn't seem horrible. Um, Also, Linval Joseph is still recovering from a couple of surgeries. He's not on any of those lists, I believe, Uh, but he did come out on Sunday in pads, which means he's probably close, and they're just being really cautious with him. So you're probably going to see a lot of practices without Linval Joseph in it, which is fine, because it's not like, I mean, he knows the defense. He doesn't need all that install time, and you get, you know, more looks at the other defensive tackles and stuff, and and you're just not risking it with a guy like Linval Joseph. So they'll probably be very cautious with him, and it'll be that kind of situation where, hey, if there were a game tomorrow, he'd play, but, you know, for now, it's just training camp and we're not going to chance it. So yeah, there's a bunch of nicks and bruises all over the roster right now, mostly on the defensive line. So actually, let's talk about the implications of that, because you are missing right now Shamar Stefan, Jalen Holmes, and Linval Joseph. So that means two things. One, you are getting all kinds of reps for the backups. That means Hercules Mata'afa is getting first team reps, which is awesome because it's really cool to see him get a look against like the starting interior offensive linemen, you know, the Josh Kleins and the Garrett Bradberries and, and Pat Elfline and stuff. And I, I haven't seen a lot about him. I'm going to kind of try to look more into this as camp goes on. Uh, but it, what what I'm looking for, and, and if, you, if you're looking for things about Hercules Mata'afa, look for how, what they say about his power. He's going to be quick, right? They, they, that is obviously going to be, oh, look, he gets off the line so quick. That's always been his thing. That was never a question mark. Look at his power, because the whole deal was that when he was rehabbing, he was also putting on pounds of muscle and trying to get more powerful, and that was part of the, the rehab process, and I think his rehab process was, was cleared like pretty early into this offseason. So now he can just spend this whole offseason strength training. And he came in, I think, at like 280 or something like that. Something like a lot more reasonable for a defensive tackle. But it's always going to be about power. Does he get washed out of these plays? And it seems like he's been doing reasonably in that regard. I haven't seen too much, so I don't want to like lock into, ooh, look, he's powerful. Let's all get excited quite yet. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And getting first team reps will get us a very nice, clear look at that. Because if he is good, and we won't have to go for he was good but it was against third teamers we can kind of you know like take that on faith for a good training camp performance 
for whatever that is worth to you. This is also going to give Jaleel Johnson a lot of run at that nose tackle spot. Now, when I did my roster prediction, I kind of thought that he was a little uncontested because most of the other defensive tackles are, are more three technique types. And there's just not a lot of competition there, but it is nice to see him getting those first team reps and getting a, you know, a good look at, at how he's progressed as well. And then the other thing that this like bevy of injuries can kind of create is a, a better looking interior offensive line than they actually are just because of strength of competition. There have been some glowing reviews of Josh Klein and Garrett Bradbury in the, the first practice on Sunday where they finally put on the pads and you can actually get a look at these guys. Everything that happened before they put on pads is pretty much a wash and the coaches don't pay much attention to that either. They're just, you know, trying to get people in the right place at the right time. It's all walkthrough stuff. And then once they put on the pads, now you're evaluating and it's nice, you know, the run game apparently looked very smooth and it looked, you know, very much like there were, there were running lanes and the interior offensive line looked really nice in the 11 on on 11 drills. But again, you know, that's going up against the second and third team guys because the defensive tackles are just so like you just have to take it into account. It doesn't invalidate the entire performance, but it's just something to take into account. Now, I could talk about offensive line performances for the whole time. I think that's going to be like the the biggest story of all of camp, and we'll talk about it plenty. But for now, we're going to move on to some other news. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Let's talk about the cornerback position next. So last time we talked, uh, basically where we were at was Holton Hill got his suspensions. I argued very uh, passionately that they should not cut him. It appears that they're not going to cut him uh, right now for this. It it seems the way that Mike Zimmer has been talking about Holton Hill, that that they're going to go through the preseason and training camp with him and then, you know, kind of make their roster decisions accordingly. And they don't even need to really make a decision on him till week nine if they really wanted to wait and see if like, eh, if we get all banged up, maybe we'll do it. But in the meantime, they have worked out other veteran corners. Uh, one was Orlando Skandrick, who was uh, signed by the Philadelphia Eagles, so he's off the market. They have also worked out Morris Claiborne and uh, Dexter McDonald, or sorry, De- Dexter McDouglas. Uh, those two remain on the market, and it sounds like from the reporting from guys like Darren Wolfson at KSTP and others that uh, the, they just have these guys on speed dial, and they're not going to sign someone right now. They're not even a lock to sign someone at all. Uh, they're going to essentially wait for someone to get injured and then sign someone then, and that's going to be the backup plan. They don't want to cut somebody off of their roster right now. They they like the composition of it. They're just going to wait, see how Mike Hughes progresses, see if everybody else can stay healthy. But if somebody goes down, then they've got this guy on speed dial. They've done the workout. They can bring him in tomorrow, and they've kind of got a head start on that problem. And that's going to be probably where this stands until something about the situation changes. As for Holton Hill himself, you know, Mike Zimmer was asked about it. He had some choice words. I think he said the 
that, you know, as somebody asked him on the like, are you disappointed in Holton Hill? And he said, well, disappointed's not a good word for me, which is kind of a funny quote, but then he kind of brushed it off. And if you listen to the tone of his words, a lot of people are taking his words out of context, but if you listen to the tone of his words, he said, you know, listen, we're not going to make a decision out of that. We don't even know if he's going to make the team. And then somebody said, oh, somebody said he might not make the team because of this. No, he just said, he, he was basically saying the, like, platitude of, you know, everybody has to make the team, and we'll make that decision, you know, when the time comes that he's made the roster, then we'll talk about it. So it's something that you can kind of safely ignore. He didn't, he didn't accidentally give up any information or anything like that. What Mike Zimmer did do, uh, and what he has been doing over the last couple practices, is holding Holton Hill out of 11-on-11 activity. Now, Hill is still playing in the same kind of depth order that he would have been without these things in the individual drills. He's going up against second-team wide receivers and stuff. He's a second-team corner. But when it comes to the 11-on-11 drills, he's been held out entirely. That's a doghouse thing. That's a that's a punishment, basically. If you think of it as his own little, like, team suspension for these problems. And that'll go on for as long as Mike Zimmer wants, and then it'll that'll, that'll kind of be their action against this. So... It, looking at the tea leaves, it looks very unlikely to me that Holton Hill gets cut unless, you know, we start talking about football reasons to cut him. And, you know, the you are a complete idiot factor will probably be part of that discussion. Like, you can't divorce it entirely, but this is going to be a football decision, not an off-field decision. The off-field decision was taking him out of 11-on-11 drills. That, to me, appears to be the action that Mike Zimmer is taking on the team level and then saying, well, the NFL has punished you because this is, you know, that's what the suspension is for. And in the meantime, Chris Boyd has been the one getting those reps in Holton Hill's stead, and I've seen a lot of glowing reviews about that. Just some highlight plays, some very good coverage out there, and that's really nice to see. Uh, I have uh, Chris Boyd making the roster. I definitely will not be changing that uh, when it comes time to, you know, do my second round of roster predictions, and so we will continue to watch all of that stuff as things go on. Uh, The only other cornerback note is there was a a Darren Wolfson tweet. Maybe I'll find it. If I can find it, I'll I'll put it in the show notes that where he said that, you know, if it's going to be anybody, Mo Claiborne is going to be the signing, and I would absolutely love that. Go listen to my Holton Hill episode for more on that. So let's talk about special teams now, where there's a couple things going on. So there's the long snapper battle between Kevin McDermott and Austin Cutting. They appear to just be switching back and forth on the live field goal reps. Now, the only thing that people usually, like, track and report on are the live field goal reps. The whole the thing where, you know, all of practice stops, they usually end practice with this, and you line up the field goal and you, and you try a couple, and you, you do the whole, like, special teams rep. While the rest of training camp is going on, you know, Dan Bailey will be kicking a bunch of field goals, and Matt Weil will be trying a bunch of punts, and the long snappers and will we'll be doing their work over on a separate field and they'll kick a million of them. But I think the reason that people tweet out the live reps is because there's pressure and now you're in a pressure situation and everybody's stopped and watching you and it's a bit, bit of a better simulation when you're trying to evaluate. So the first day of camp started really, really rough for Dan Bailey. He missed... Uh, three of his seven field goals, and it was really, really tough. Marwan Malouf came on and kind of tried to downplay it and say, you know, oh, we're switching long snappers, and, and they're playing a lot with holders, which I'll talk about in a sec. So, yeah, you know, the the, the situation, like, the, the machine isn't going to be well-oiled quite yet, but it's still a cause for a little bit of concern because it takes time to well-oil that machine, and they don't have that much of it. They got a preseason game in two weeks, and then things start getting in these kickers' heads. So it's definitely something to watch. But let's talk a little bit about the holder stuff because they had uh, Matt Weil holding last year, and obviously last year was a very difficult year for the, for the kicking. Uh, I believe they were dead last in the league in field goal percentage, if I remember. So they've been trying a whole bunch of things f- at, at holder. And a new special teams coordinator, it kind of makes sense. He wants to get a look at everybody. So Matt Weil has been still doing most of the work, but they've tried Adam Thielen. I think they even tried Diggs, if I remember. They tried both the quarterbacks coming in and holding. They've tried a couple other people. So they, they've definitely tried to have 
a variety of holders come in. And that and that does make sense. Like Marwan Malouf has a point among those specialists. Chemistry is very important, you know, snapper, holder, kicker. And when you change two of those parts around a lot, you are going to get mistakes more often. So hopefully they make that decision quickly and things can solidify. But again, it's definitely something to be concerned about right now and something to watch moving forward. So I want to talk a little bit about Scheme and Irv Smith and the run game and all that stuff because there's some pretty exciting things to talk about there. But first... I want to talk a little bit about the sponsor for this show, Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text 5STAR to 87000, 5STAR, all all letters, one word, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to 87000 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with five-star painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at the business. With five-star painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you'll go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a five-star painting owner, you'll also be part of the greater neighborly community of home service brands. has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Uh, you know, being your own boss is awesome. I mean, I, there might be some like small business owners out there in the listenership, but I mean, I kind of have two gigs. I have one where I am an employee and I have a boss and I have to, you know, enter hours and I have to answer to them and do whatever they say. And then I have this where I don't have a boss. I don't answer. I'm part of the locked on network and, and that's comes with some responsibilities, but mostly I just do what I want to do. I talk about what I want to talk about, and that freedom, that liberty, there's really nothing like it. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text 5STAR, all word, all one word, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to 87000, that's 87,000, to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get to where you want to go faster than going it alone. Again, text 5STAR to 87000, to learn more about the, the neighborly brands that may be available in your area, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, so moving on, uh, we have now kind of finally gotten our first little look at what Kevin Stefanski is going to run in 2019. Now, we saw a little bit in those three games, but he was also working with whatever was installed of John Filippo's playbook. He can't just start installing his own plays in the middle of a, of a practice week. You kind of have to go with what was already there. So now you have your chance to kind of draw up what you want and then install what you want. So we've gotten to see a little bit. And, and I think the most intriguing thing to me that really stands out from the reports is Irv Smith. Irv Smith, as I've kind of talked about, I've, I even theorized that this could be a thing. And then I was like, ah, they, they're not going to be crazy enough to line him up at like H-back. They've been lining him up at H-back. Back. And that's really cool. Uh, Irv Smith athletically is very similar to Kyle Juszczyk. You know, fullbacks and tight ends are always going to be kind of close in size and speed and stuff. And, you know, that makes sense. They're both kind of blockers, but also pass catchers, but, you know, not quite like wide receivers. But I think it was Arif Hassan when he did his draft recap of the Irv Smith pick, he talked about how, like, yeah, he matches, he's very close to Kyle Juszczyk, and if you look at the way that Kyle Shanahan uses Kyle Juszczyk, he kind of saw a a window of opportunity for Irv Smith. Now, you might be kind of freaking out to yourself listening to this, going like, wait, a fullback? He's, we've drafted a fullback in the second round? No, 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 Kyle Juszczyk is not your average day, everyday fullback. 
Kyle Juszczyk was used as a weapon, and he just happened to line up in the backfield where, where, you know, fullbacks line up. But he was a weapon for the 49ers, and he continues to be one. He was actually, like, a reasonable fantasy play. He got, like, 950 yards. And the way he did it was really, really cool. We actually saw him do it against us in that that week one game. If you remember, now this was a blown coverage, but it was a good play design nonetheless, where uh, you basically had the, the design of it was supposed to get the... Uh, fullback in Kyle Juszczyk, who's going to be faster than most linebackers, and that's going to be true of Irv Smith as well. I actually do think he's faster than, like, Anthony Barr, and it doesn't get much more athletic than than Anthony Barr for linebackers. So I, I think that Irv Smith can outrun just about any linebacker, and if you line him up in the backfield, you're almost positively going to get a linebacker on him, and then he can run, like, a wheel route where they, you know, go to the sideline, then turn up field. That's, that's how Kyle Juszczyk completely smoked us on a play in that week one game against San Francisco, because I think Ben Gideon, like, fell down or just totally blew the coverage or something, but you could have him do a number of things. You could take a page out of, like, the Rams book, where they actually would run Todd Gurley against Anthony Barr on routes. They got a touchdown that way. When you have an asset that is going to be faster than any linebacker, it seems like they're going to move him around a whole bunch of ways to try to get him matched up with those linebackers, or get the defense to declare their coverage. So, put it this way, you're a defensive coordinator, or, you know, you're the guy with the green dot on the defense, so you have to tell everyone where to go, and Irv Smith lines up like a wide receiver. Now, say you didn't go into nickel coverage for him or three safety or anything special because, oh, he's just like a rookie tight end, right? We'll just put a linebacker on him. So you either have to put that linebacker on him out wide, and then the quarterback knows that it's man coverage, and he can, you know, change his play call or read the play accordingly. A lot of the plays in today's NFL have kind of like, all right, if it's man, do this. If it's zone, do this. And we'll do, you know, something at the beginning to make the defense declare that. So you, you either reveal and play right into the offense's hand there, or you go put a cornerback on Irv Smith, and now you've got a line linebacker that's got to take care of like Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs and that's even worse so when you do stuff like that and, and this is not like a new innovation or anything you know every offensive coordinator that has come through here in the last few years has done this with Kyle Rudolph but it's really exciting with Irv Smith because he can actually kind of hold his own against that cornerback you know if you put your best cornerback on Irv Smith just because he lined about wide and that's the way your alignments work and sometimes that's just how it happens you just have to deal with the mismatch and you're wasting your corner on the tight end you'd at least expect the corner to win that battle and you're like well at least I don't have to worry about that and the corner is going to you know win against the tight end he'll have him covered easily but Irv Smith he's really slow for a wide receiver he's slower than Treadwell to give you kind of some perspective uh, but, you know, he can still, like, hold his own as as a route runner and still, like, do something and at least make it so that that cornerback probably doesn't win every single rep. He'll probably still win most of them. He's, you know, a cornerback on Irv Smith will always be a mismatch that favors the cornerback. Uh, but he'll probably be able to, you know, maybe win just like enough of them to make it so that that defensive scheme falls apart. And then obviously he'll still probably line up in line a whole bunch and block and do all that stuff. So it's really interesting. And I love seeing what they're doing with that because it really hints that, you know, they're, they're trying to be creative with a player that kind of requires you to be creative. If you just run him as an inline tight end or make him a blocking tight end, he's just going to kind of be fine. But if you can get creative with him and try to try to set up mismatches, then, you know, you can really turn this guy into a productive weapon for you and they need an, another productive weapon. I think that when you have, you know, you you should be able to in any offense put out five skill players that are 
you know, productive and and somebody that the the defense needs to worry about. And right now, I would say the Vikings have four, maybe three, depending on your opinion of Rudolph, but I won't shove that in your faces right now. But, you know, you have Diggs, Thielen, Cook. I think you have to worry about all those guys. If you just let, like, a linebacker take any of those guys, you're probably going to be hurt, and I think, you know, Cook can make the guy miss. Diggs and Thielen, you need to worry about him. Either put a good cornerback on them or bracket them or whatever. I think, you know, Kyle Rudolph, a lot of teams will respect him as well, regardless of my thoughts on the, on the matter. And then you kind of don't have that fifth guy. Now, usually for most teams, that's a third wide receiver, but this is another piece of news. Mike Zimmer really does, does not like what he's seen in those those wide receivers so far, which like, come on, Zim, I could have told you that three months ago, but, you know, he he is very underwhelmed by BB and, and Jordan Taylor, and there's no Brandon Zilstra right now, and there's no Jeff Baddett right now, so, the, you know, the rookies are starting to, are, are having to kind of step up, and they aren't really doing so in Zimmer's eyes, and they had another bad day on Sunday, there were some drops. It was wet and rainy, so it's kind of excusable, but at the same time, it's like, has hasn't been good outside of that anyways, so it doesn't really matter. But if that guy could be Irv Smith, and who cares if he lines up in the slot or if he lines about wide or if you, you know, you use 11 person or, or whatever, like who cares? If you can get defenses in base and still have a downfield attacking type defense that, or offense that, you know, that isn't relying on crossing routes and two yard patterns that rely on yards after the catch, which is what we weirdly had for like three offensive coordinators in a row have like done that. Give me somebody downfield. Give me somebody that pushes the ball and takes some risks. I know that that's better for Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins will not get more. He's not going to squeeze more blood out of that stone if you have, you know, a yards after the catch thing. That's just not who he is. He always just follows the plan. You got to make the plan aggressive and he will be aggressive for you but you got to ask him to. And having a guy like Irv Smith, getting him on a linebacker and, and exploiting that mismatch gives the Vikings a better chance to do it. I'm totally in favor of this idea. And then real quick, the run game, uh, the first day in pads, which is the first day you can really evaluate it because you need to kind of have that contact, uh, looked really nice. Again, the interior linemen were facing, you know, lesser defensive tackles, lesser competition. So you have to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. But Alex Madison had a, a big highlight on Sunday, you know, kind of cut up field and, and it would have been a touchdown. I don't think it would have been a touchdown, but they were playing touch, you know. I think in, in a tackle game, the linebacker would have been able to splay out for that one, but I think it was Kendrick's, but it was still, it was a nice play, and he's and he, it looked like he had running lanes to run through, and, and most importantly, everybody's in the same spot. There was another presser thing, I think it was Mike Zimmer, uh, but I think also Stefanski has talked about this, where they've been doing more under center play action versus shotgun play action, and that's supposedly easier for uh for the the pass blocking offensive line because you know you can use uh, you you can do a better job of deceiving the defense if you have play action from under center for one that's just a better fake just teams just run from under center more often so they're just like less likely to key on on your fake but also just think like spatially where a def- where a defender like if it's a shotgun run that defender is basically running to the same spot than if it's a drop back pass so they don't need to really worry about reading the play they're still trying to get by their guy and get into the backfield but when it's an under center run then you have to worry a lot more about gaps and reading the play and stuff because if you just think about where that ball gets handed off it's just going to be more often a a lot closer to the point of attack so just doing those play action things is just going to be better for a fake and that's going to make the job easier for the offensive line they've simplified a lot of things to make sure that we have less miscommunication you know and I talked about that with with the offensive line throughout the whole offseason a huge underrated problem of it was communication was not that people weren't skilled enough but that they were just literally running the wrong direction they were going to the wrong place and then the whole protection would break down and then it would look awful and Kirk Cousins would run for his life so simplifying things and getting that shored up regardless 
regardless of how good the players are or how satisfied you are with their offseason moves. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm kind of like, man, on, on it, just like a lot of you might be. But simplifying things should have a measurable effect. And that's something that I'm really glad to hear. And it seems like, you know, that, that it has paid off. If everybody's in the right place for training camp, if you ever go, just watch and see if anybody goes in the wrong place. And you'll know because the coach will yell at them. But, you know, if anybody's in the wrong place all the time, then we have a problem. But if, you know, if they're always just smoothly doing exactly what they're asked to and it's all very cohesive, that's a really good sign. So on that note of wonderful optimism, see, I'm being better this week. I was a little negative last week. Uh, I am going to sign off. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. I will give you uh, more daily updates. I'm not going to do like daily injury stuff. I'm not just going to, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time of like Jalen Holmes sat out again, Linval Joseph sat out again. I'll update you when things change or when things are important and we'll talk more about it when it's time to actually play a preseason game. But for now, I'm a lot more interested in talking about, you know, who is excelling, who is jumping over who. We'll do some roster tier looking and and see, you know, if anything should change about that and kind of use that to update you on the progress and kind of how we're looking at position battles and stuff. So I will talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And if you don't like any of those services, you can ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked on NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Lockdown Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Lockdown Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.